Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Matthew chapter 1, we have the incredible story of Mary and Joseph and the conception of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. As is often the case in our lives, things do not go as expected. How well do we do when unexpected difficulties come into our lives? Let's open our Bibles and see what the Lord has for us in this wonderful story. Well, good morning, and welcome to another teaching. It's uh, it's a little after 7 a.m. here in in Texas. We're drinking coffee and uh, talking about Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Today we're going to discuss Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. So let's go ahead and pray, um, invite the Lord into our time, and we'll get right into it. Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for the word of God. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, we love you. We bless you and we thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to guide our time now. Open our hearts that we might receive the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So again, we're going to talk about Matthew 1 verses 18 to 25. We'll go ahead and read it and we'll get right into it. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. As always, the first question we ask ourselves is, why is this in the Bible? Uh, For the majority of us, this is a a well-known story. We've heard it our whole lives. But it's not just in the Bible because it's a a cool story. Romans 15.4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So it's not written simply to tell us a story, but to teach us or to instruct us. So let's see what it has for us here. Verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. We find here the famous story of the Virgin Mary, and it says that she was found to be with child. We're not told how she was found to be with child. We don't know if it was morning sickness. We don't know if she was, if she was showing already. But 
it says here that she was made pregnant by the Spirit of God. We know that this is the only time that this has ever happened in the history of the world, that the Holy Spirit has made a woman pregnant with the Savior of the world. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 19 is powerful. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph had a lifestyle of being a righteous man. What does it mean to be a, a righteous man or a righteous woman? The Bible teaches us there are three different kinds of righteousness in the Bible. There's what's called imputed righteousness. There's what's called self-righteousness. And there's what's called lifestyle righteousness. Imputed righteousness is a righteousness that we receive when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. When someone prays and asks Jesus to come into their heart and to be the Lord of their life, and they genuinely trust Jesus as their only Lord and Savior, the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived is credited to them, and all of their sin and ungodliness is credited to Jesus. And that exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel. All of our sin, past, present, and future, is credited to Christ when we receive him. And the perfect righteous life that he lived when he walked the earth is credited to us. It is really the most incredible, wonderful, it's, it's just the most mind-boggling thing um, ever conceived. It's something that uh, human beings would never have made up. Now, the second kind of righteousness is called a self-righteousness. It's contrary to imputed righteousness. With imputed righteousness, we're trusting in the righteousness of Jesus for us to stand before God. So when we stand before God, we don't stand in our own merit, in our own good works, or in our own righteous life, but we stand before God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ our Lord. Self-righteousness is when we're not trusting in Jesus and in his righteousness for the forgiveness of our sins and for our our, our, you know, our ability to go to heaven and stand before God, a holy God. Self-righteousness is when we're trusting in our own righteous life. We're trusting in ourself, in our own good deeds, in our own righteous life to stand before God. The scripture makes it clear that no one can go to heaven in their own righteousness. None of us in our own good deeds or our own good works can stand before God. Now, again, the reason for this is because we have a sin problem. And all of our righteous acts or all of our good deeds, everything we do right will not take away our sin. That's why we need a Savior. That's why this whole story is in the Bible, is that we need a Savior to save us from our sin. And all the good we do doesn't take away the bad that we've done. Hence why we need a Savior. Hence why we need Jesus to save us. And we need his righteousness. But again, a self-righteousness is when an individual is trusting in themselves and their own good life and their own good works to save them and to get them to heaven. Now, the third type of righteousness, and this type of righteousness is generally what the Bible talks about most, is lifestyle righteousness. And that's what uh, verse 19 is talking about when it says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Joseph had a, a lifestyle 
of living a righteous life. He had a lifestyle of simply doing what's right when it was put before him. Uh, it doesn't mean he was perfect, but it was his lifestyle to do what's right. Do we have, do we have a lifestyle of whatever the situation is that comes before us day in and day out, the different circumstances, do we have a lifestyle of doing what's right? Now, it's important to understand we cannot have a lifestyle of righteousness, of true and genuine righteousness, until we have imputed righteousness, until we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ, until we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. And both of these things happen when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. We cannot truly and genuinely have a lifestyle of righteousness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, but Joseph has a, a, a lifestyle of doing what's right. And because this is his lifestyle, when this, uh, when this incredibly difficult situation comes upon him, he is able to handle it in a way that's, uh, that's admirable. When we look at Joseph here, every parent should want their daughter to marry a man like this. If my daughters can marry a man like Joseph, I would be delighted. Kristen and Lauren, go out and find a man like Joseph. And as, as men, we should all aspire to be a man like Joseph. When you look at the qualities of, of Joseph in this section, it's, uh, you know, it's really, it's, it's, it's altogether uncommon, unfortunately. Think about how Joseph would feel here. You know, you're in love, you're engaged, and you come to find out that the love of your life is pregnant and you have never been with her intimately. Think about how hurtful this really would be. Now, unfortunately, he clearly doesn't believe her. Undoubtedly, Mary would have told him that the angel came to her and, you know, and told her that, that she would bear the Savior. But Joseph doesn't believe her. He feels hurt. He feels betrayed. And I mean, for, for pretty much all of us, it would be a very difficult story to believe, right? The woman that you're in love with, that you have pledged to give the rest of your life to and to have a family with and to, and to live all the days of your life, in his mind is pregnant uh, with another man's child. Try to imagine the hurt and the betrayal that he would feel, the anger, the bitterness. But it says that because he already had a habit of living a righteous life, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. How well do we do? How well do we do as people when we are put in a difficult situation, when we are betrayed, when we are, when we are treated wrongly, when we are badly hurt in some way or cheated in some way or wronged in some way? Joseph doesn't want to expose her to public disgrace. Joseph doesn't want to make life any more difficult for her than it already is, even though he's hurt, even though he's surely angry and, and upset. Regrettably, the, the vast majority of us that when, when we get hurt like this, when we get betrayed, we want to tell anyone that'll listen. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be a man like Joseph. Joseph doesn't, 
does not want to expose her. Oftentimes when we're hurt, or most oftentimes, we want to to expose that hurt or that pain. We want to, to tear down that individual. We want to make that individual look bad. For the most part, hurt people want to hurt people, right? But not Joseph. Joseph has no heart for vengeance here. He says he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And just think about that word quietly. He has no heart to tell anyone that'll listen. He's not going to gossip to the whole world about how this, this woman has done him wrong. Joseph is going to, to quietly walk away. Now, we're not told this, but you know perhaps it's in his heart that he's going to allow Mary and whoever this man is to go on and have a life together, and he's just going to step away quietly and not make a fuss about it so that they can have a life together. Again, this is a quality that if someone has this quality, if we can labor to have this quality, a genuine heart of forgiveness when we have been wronged, and a lifestyle of of not having to tell other people, how often do we come home from our work day and, and the first thing we have to do is tell our wives all the things that were wrong in that day or tell our husbands everything that had been done wrong to us? And how different people had, you know, had been unreasonable in that, uh, in that day. Uh, this is not the heart of Joseph. Joseph does not want to, her uh, to be exposed to public disgrace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for, uh, for a man like Joseph. And again, it's not, uh, when you look at this, it's not hard to understand why he was chosen uh, to be Jesus' stepfather. The scripture talks about how Mary was a righteous woman, was a, uh, was a godly woman, and we can see the same qualities in Joseph. So you can see that, that God had chose people who had a righteous lifestyle, Mary to bear the Savior, and Joseph to be his earthly father, stepfather. Verse 20, it says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Look at those, what is it? First six words, but after he had considered this. Again, regrettably, more often than not, when we are mistreated or we are wronged um, or we are betrayed, we don't take time to thoughtfully consider, man, what is the will of God here? We don't take time to consider what is the right course of action. Oftentimes, we just fly off the handle and want to find any way we can to hurt and expose the person that has hurt us. But Joseph takes time to, to genuinely consider you know, how he wants to handle this. After he had considered it, he had come to the conclusion that he would not expose her, that he would walk away quietly. But isn't it interesting that it says, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and explains to him that, you know, what is in, in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. Mary has not been unfaithful. The Spirit of God is the one that's made Mary pregnant. Why does the angel appear after he had considered this? Lord Jesus, why does it seem that so many times that you send the answer 
after we've gone through the difficulty. Obviously, the Lord could have sent the angel at any time. Why didn't the angel appear to him before all this? Why didn't the angel appear to him at the same time he appeared to Mary and explained to Mary that she would give birth to a child? What I'm getting at here is, why does the Lord often allow us to, to go through these difficulties in this, in this hard time? Again, the angel could have appeared to him at any time, but the angel appears to him after allowing Joseph to go through this time of difficulty and hurt and pain. It's as if the angel wants to allow Joseph to, to walk through and experience this time of, uh, in his heart, of difficulty and, and of hurt and of pain. And the angel uh, allows Joseph to display his character here, to really walk out what's right in the face of difficulty. Sometimes the Lord seemingly appears to us, or the hand of the Lord shows up, after allowing us to walk through uh, whatever a difficult season is. Father, we don't understand why you do this. Um, Father, we believe it's so that our character can be strengthened. Um, thank you, Lord Jesus. Imagine what this was like for Mary. The same thing, how difficult this would have been for Mary, that Joseph did not believe her. And again, why? Why, Lord Jesus, is your timing as such? It seems oftentimes that the timing of the Lord is such that he allows us to experience seasons of difficulty and hardship when obviously he has the power to show up at any time in our lives. But he doesn't show up till after he had considered this. Uh, he allows Joseph to display this incredibly godly character in a very difficult situation, and we're not told why. We don't have this story in the scriptures the same way. Everything is different. If the angel shows up to Joseph before Mary gets pregnant and explains to Joseph all this, well, we don't have this entire story. We don't have this example of an incredibly godly man in Joseph. So, Father, help us to understand um, that your timing is always for our benefit. At some level, it's very clear, or at every level, the, the timing of the angel showing up is, is when it was needed. Again, in my heart, when I see this, I would have liked the timing to been uh, right at the beginning. If I was Joseph, I would have said, you know, Lord, it would have been nice if you'd have, if you'd have told me this, you know, at the same time that the Holy Spirit came upon her. All right, so it's uh, the angel says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Joseph was afraid that the baby in Mary was from another man. But he says, don't be afraid because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit of God that got Mary pregnant. Hence, Joseph is Jesus' stepfather and God is his father because God is the one who got Mary pregnant, right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. It says she will give birth, verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Above everything else, we need Jesus at the foundational level, above all other things, we need Jesus to save us from our sins. 
You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. There are countless benefits to walking with Jesus. When we receive Jesus as our Savior, we come into relationship with him. And we begin to walk with him and know him. God becomes our Father. And we have a relationship with God as our Heavenly Father. But more important than all of these things. These things are pivotal. These things are important. These things are pertinent. But more important than all that is we need a Savior from our sins. Uh, the angel could have said anything here. But he lays down the foundation that he will save his people from their sins. As human beings, we have a sin problem. Uh, the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that every person has sinned. And none of us can stand before God in his holiness because of our sins. Jesus saved his people from his sins. Jesus can save us from our sins because he lived a perfect righteous life and he died a perfect righteous death. So if you're not certain that you have been saved from your sins today. Number one, God has given his word in the Bible that, that you are a sinful person, that I am a sinful person, that all of us are, are sinners. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior today? Have you called on Jesus and said, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinful person and I ask you to, to be the Lord of my life and to come into my heart and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. If you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if, if you can't remember a time where you've prayed a prayer like that, then, then stop this recording now and, and do so. Just as genuinely and meaningfully as you can, pray that prayer and ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to save you from your sins. As we talked about earlier, when you do that, all of your sin, past, present, and future, is credited to Jesus at the cross and his perfect righteous life that he lived when he walked the earth is credited to you. That incredible exchange. No religion in the world has ever thought of such an exchange. Every other religion in the world has some type of self-righteousness, some type of works-based righteousness. Every other religion is trying to do enough good works themselves to offset the bad. But good doesn't take away bad. We have no experience in our lives of our good taking away our bad. As I've often said, in the state of Texas, if you kill somebody, you can't stand before the judge and say, Judge, look at all the good I did. It wouldn't matter. All the good you did wouldn't take away the bad in the state of Texas and you'd spend life in prison or be executed. And it's the same with our sins. All the good we do doesn't take away our sins. We need a Savior because He will save His people from their sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your mercy on our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us, even as a sinful people. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
The Bible had prophesied hundreds of years earlier that this would happen. And we see here that the word of God has to be fulfilled. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Whatever the Lord has ordained will come to pass. Whatever he's ordained in his word will come to pass. And whatever he's ordained in your life will come to pass. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It says they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Make no mistake, Jesus Christ is God. All-powerful, almighty, all-knowing God. When Jesus became a human child, a human baby, all-powerful God became a human baby, a human man. Jesus Christ is God. Uh, the scripture teaches that, that God is a trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we find here in verse 22 that God the Son entered humanity as a, as a little baby. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 24, it says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Joseph obeyed the word of God. The angel told him that you need to take Mary home. You need to believe her. What is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She has not been unfaithful. And again, we see this, uh, this quality in Joseph that he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded. Joseph has a lifestyle of obeying the word of God. Obviously, the angel gives Joseph the word of God and he obeys it. Do we have a lifestyle of obeying the word of God, of doing what the Bible tells us to do? Father, help us to be like Joseph and to obey the word of God in our lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It says when he woke up, let's wake up today. Wherever we are, let's wake up and do what the word of God instructs us to do. There's nothing in our lives after we've, we've received Jesus as our Savior, there's nothing in our lives that will bless us more than obeying the Word of God. Verse 25 says, But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So again, we see Joseph follows the instructions of the angel clearly, perfectly. It says he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, so he was not intimate with her until after Jesus was born. Again, we're not told the, uh, the reason for this, but again, I think it shows a, a certain reverence in Joseph, a certain honor of Joseph. He's going to allow the Savior to be born before he has intimacy with his wife. And again, this is not an easy thing, right? When we've, when we've first been married, that's generally the first thing we want to do is to be intimate and be one with our spouse but uh, Joseph foregoes that and waits until the Savior is born, uh, undoubtedly out of a certain reverence and honor. And then after that, they, they have intimacy. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, which is to say, after Jesus was born, they would have come together as husband and wife. Well, Lord Jesus, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for the word of God. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for, for, uh, for the story of Jesus' birth. We thank you of the story of your birth, Lord Jesus. We thank you for willingly coming into the world. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving us from our sins. We thank you, Lord, for Mary and Joseph and the, uh, the example they are to us. Lord, help us to, to continue to walk with you, Lord, even when we don't understand your timing. Um, similar to how, Joseph, how uh, Lord Jesus, that the, that the angel shows up to Joseph, Lord, um, at a seemingly difficult time. But uh, we thank you, Lord, that you do always show up. Help us to wait on you, Lord Jesus, um, in every aspect of our lives. Lord, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We commit this time into your hands with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.